broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for Chicago Business Radio. Brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chicago Business Radio. I'm your host, Max Cantor. And before we jump in today's story, I just want to point out that today's show is sponsored by Firm Space. Without Firm Space, we couldn't be sharing these important and interesting stories. So big shout out to them. And I'm excited to talk to the guest that we have today. He is the president general manager, executive chef, and most importantly, the dishwasher of Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed in Chicago, Illinois. Please welcome to the show, Brian Greika. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, guys. How's it going? So just to jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about Milt's Barbecue for the Perplexed? Okay. Uh, I guess the short answer is you know, we've been open for eight and a half years. We opened in January 2013. We're in this very dead center of uh, East Lakeview here in Chicago, um, about a mile from Ripley Field. Uh, and, you know, we've been rocking and rolling for quite a while now. Um, we have some great support from the community and uh, you know, we've weathered the storm through COVID over the last year or so, and we're still here. That's great to hear. How'd you guys get started all the way back in 2013? Um, it was a process. So for people that don't know, we are a kosher restaurant and there's a big dearth of kosher restaurants in the city of Chicago. Um, we're actually the only ones left the south of, you know, Rogers Park, the north, northern area of the city. Uh, when we opened eight years ago, uh, there were a couple other restaurants, but they're not around anymore. But there is a little bit of a Jewish community around here. And there was, just, there was a need, you know, for something like what we are offering. And, you know, we, you know, the uh, former owner, uh, Jeff Ader, you know, spearheaded it. Uh, he funded the entire venture. And, there was a big grand swell of support and, you know, the, as they say, the rest is history. Now, I'm Jewish myself, so I'm kind of embarrassed to ask this question, but <laughs> what is the difference between non-kosher barbecue and kosher barbecue? I, I mean, that's that's a loaded question. I could give the, sh- the short answer is, you know, most people know that, you know, pork isn't kosher. So obviously we don't have any, you know, many know that we don't have mixed milk and meat. Um, so we don't have any dairy at all on premises. Uh, you know, there are dairy restaurants. Um, there are some restaurants that will have separate milk and meat kitchens, um, but we're all meat. We do a lot of beef, a lot of chicken, you know, poultry, other poultry, you know, duck sometimes. And, you know, it gets a little more complicated than that. There's certain levels of kosher. So, there, you know, we're on the stricter side. Uh, we're certified kosher by the Chicago, Chicago Rabbinical Council. So it, it um, they're very supportive of us and, you know, it, it enables us to, you know, have the widest market that I think we can capture, you know, in terms of people that keep kosher and then obviously people that don't, you know, we try really hard not to advertise, you know, overtly that we're, you know, hey, we're a kosher restaurant, you know, we try to be a restaurant first that happens to be kosher, which, you know, for people that do keep kosher, that's been lacking, you know, for many years, you know, it's, it's uh, it gets very complicated when you really get into the politics behind it. Mm. Is kosher barbecue a national thing or is what you guys do very niche and very unique and there's not many restaurants like you? So when we opened, there was one other kosher barbecue restaurant that has that closed years ago in, in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, so we are the longest standing one since then. Uh, there's been actually quite a few barbecues, very hip these days. So there's, you know, a, a hand, 
half a dozen places in the New York area. There's a couple in the Miami area. Um, there's some in Los Angeles. I mean, it's really just booming because, you know, people see that it works. You know, it's, it's very hard to keep a restaurant surviving, you know, in general. And then when you bring in, like, you know, the cost of kosher food and then the restrictions, you know, we have a lot of days off. Like just this week alone, we were, you know, the Rosh Hashanah, uh, the Jewish New Year, we've been closed the last few days. We're just opening up now, and then we have a lot of holidays coming up this month, so we're missing most of September. So it, it's very difficult to keep restaurants uh, functioning. Um, but, you know, it's it's working, and, you know, the people are trying to, you know, copy our model, which, you know, some I people ask me if I'm bothered by it, and I'm like, I think it's great. I think, you know, we show a business model that works, and we were able to succeed. It's It's really nice to see that others you know, try to emulate that. That's, you know, the sign of, you know, real success, I suppose. Now, I know in the Jewish community, brisket is such a big and important food in the culture. Uh, is brisket kind of the go-to dish at Milt's? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. There's, a, I've, I've actually talked a lot about brisket, you know, when I give, you know, lectures or other talks. Um, we do a lot of brisket and ribs, our beef ribs, um, I, I like them more, to be honest, just because they're unique. They're very beefy. And there's even in the non-kosher, there's very few uh, places in Chicago that do beef ribs at all. But in terms of brisket, yeah, I mean, it's brisket was considered the garbage cut for such a long time that it was dirt cheap. And that, you know, there's a lot of, again, political stuff involved that, you know, the Jews in Europe were kind of stuck with the leftovers in a lot of ways. And then brisket was part of that. So we learned how to take a cheap cut and make it really good. And now it's, you know, brisket's such a big part of Americana. If you go to Texas, it's brisket everywhere because they're, you know, it's beef country. Um, but if you, you know, you look at what we're doing, it's actually, it's a great cut and it works really well. There's so many things in its favor and, you know, it's, it's, it's perfect for barbecue and we love cooking it. It is perfect for barbecue, and I gotta say, brisket is my favorite cut of meat and my favorite thing to get from a barbecue <laughs> restaurant. So to hear you talk about it, I mean, I'm over here starving <laughs> for food. This interview's got me so hungry. But you know, moving on from food, the most obvious question I have for you is, who is Milt? <laughs> so I mentioned our former owner Jeff Ader. So he just sold the restaurant to us about a year ago, um, and I can talk about that later. But Milt was his uncle who, you know, like Jeff likes to say, was the irreverent guy that he never got married or had kids. And he was the one that was like super fun. So he was the one that would, you know, while, while Jeff and his siblings were teenagers, he would sneak them drinks and try to get, learn to teach them poker and things like that. Just, you know, he was the fun guy. And so he had a special place in Jeff's heart and he died um, years ago. I honestly don't know when. I've only seen the one picture. If you go to our website, there's that one picture of Milt. That's literally literally the only one I've ever seen. Um, so he's like, it's definitely an enigma for sure. Wow. I guess everyone has that, you know, Uncle Milt in their life. Everyone has that person. So that's super cool that, you know, he he right. named the restaurant after his Uncle Milt. Now, you mentioned that you recently acquired the restaurant a year ago. What was that process like and what led to that? Well, I mean, COVID certainly um, messed a lot of things up. And so I like to joke now that Jeff knew when to sell high. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, Jeff, big part of the restaurant and Jeff's personality is he's really big into philanthropy. He, he's, you know, he's got enough money at this point. You know, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis, but he's very uh, um, at a point where he wants to give back. And he's doing a lot of different ventures to, you know, give back to the community and, you know, to the world at large. And so it's, that was part of that um, at the same time. So 
he funded the restaurant, you know, like most restaurants, we struggled at the beginning and um, he, you know, made sure that we stayed afloat. We were never at risk of, you know, ever shutting our doors. And then it got to a point, you know, over the last few years, the restaurant was in the black consistently and doing really, really well. And so he, you know, was like, you know, I'm giving back, you know, we were giving money to charity every single month. If you look at um, you know, our website, you know, if you look at our, our windows outside the restaurant, we were doing a charity of the month for, you know, since we've opened. Um, and so Jeff's like, okay, well, I'm giving money to all these different organizations. Why not give it back to the employees? You know, it just seemed the natural step. And he's like, you know, I did my job. He did the little Mary Poppins thing where he's, you know, okay, my job here is done. You, you know, you guys are successful. You don't need me anymore. You know, here, here's the keys. Enjoy. And that's kind of uh, where that went. And, you know, we announced that publicly in January of last year. And there was a few articles written about that. But, you know, for obvious reasons, uh, the transition, you know, took a lot, lot more time than we were expecting just because of all the shutting down and the financial uncertainty. But uh, we sealed the deal, um, you know, last year and we're, here we are. At, that's so great that you guys were able to make it through the pandemic. And I know it was so hard for so many restaurants. Uh, was there ever a point during the pandemic where the future looked uncertain? You didn't know kind of what was what and what changes did you make during the pandemic to make it through for Milts? Yeah, so that's a tricky one. You know, I, I tend to be more of the, um, you know, I, I'm I'm very linear in the way I think. And I'm always trying to think of like worst case scenarios, which you know, it doesn't help with my anxiety, but it certainly <laughs> helps in terms of operational, which is one thing I think works in my favor in, in terms of running the place. I'm always trying to think of, you know, the ways to make sure we don't fail. So on one part of my, me, I, you know, was always worried, you know, how long is this going to last? What's going to happen? I'm sure, you know, other business owners, the people that are listening to this, we've all had the same thoughts. You know, it's, it's very nerve wracking. It's hard to sleep at night. But at the same time, we always knew we had Jeff's support. And, you know, I did you know, I always figured, you know, hey, maybe if it ever got really, really bad, I could be like, hey, I need some cash. We can't succeed. But we never got to that point. You know, you know, we definitely took advantage of the PPP loans. Um, you know, one thing that worked certainly in our favor was that we always did things by the book, you know, in terms of payroll and taking care of our employees. And, and you know, with the PPP loans, which were geared specifically on the way, you know, payroll was done, is that it worked for us, for the restaurants that, you uh, pay people a cash or you know under the table that they you know got the short end of the stick when it came to the loans we didn't have that problem so we definitely took advantage and that certainly helped you know so it, you know the short answer after that long-winded one is yeah we were i was worried but not really we were never anywhere close to you know considering shutting the doors that's great that's awesome to hear and what are some do's and don'ts for people getting started in what you do for what you do in the in the restaurant industry? So someone who maybe wants to be a chef or eventually own their own restaurant. Um, that's, you know, a lot of it is luck. I, I can't lie. Right place, right time. And, you know, certainly, you know, that's part of what happened to me. You know, I'm I don't want to say I'm like I'm an amazing chef or I'm really, really good at what I do or anything like that. I just, you know. I was right place, right time. I was, I was the right fit for what they needed here. Uh, and so for a lot of people, it's, you know, just work, you know, try your best to learn as much as you can be well-rounded. You know, I, you know, obviously I have a, a cooking background, which I did for a long time, but, you know, since I, you know, I always, in my last jobs and everything, I tried really hard to pay attention to like, you know, the books, the back end, all the, the paperwork for area of it, because, you know, I, who had to quickly become general manager here and I had to learn, you know, all the operational side very quickly at the rep. 
restaurants and it's very different so it's you know the chef is very you know right brain creative you know you're just, you're the one that's always fighting the general manager to get a few extra bucks to pay for stuff in the kitchen little things like that and then the general manager side is like the numbers guy the one who's you know trying to make the restaurant successful so you have these two competing aspects and you have to be good at both like you, ha you have to be really pay attention to the things that you're doing um so it's for people that really want to do it um you know pay attention to different restaurants look at you know get different you know jobs you know ask as many questions as you can you know i have folks and employees here where you know if they have questions i will certainly answer them for them if they want to know what's going on the operational side i will teach them you know a big part of what i do is teaching so pay attention try to learn really try to learn that's uh you know I don't know how helpful of an answer that is. No, that's great. You know, it sounds like on the business side of things, you have a lot of hands and a lot of different pots, no pun intended. And, you know, on the <laughs> cooking side, ironically, you also have a lot of hands in a lot of different pots uh, being the chef. So how do you – I know, uh, you know, an important part of a restaurant is you want to keep innovating. You want to bring the new thing out to people to not get stuck, I guess. Uh, so how do you – invent and innovate new recipes while also keeping in mind to stay kosher uh so that is a little tricky i was a little more honestly since the covid stuff i've streamlined a lot and i'm a lot less willing right now to take risks in terms of you know hey here's a special because you know meat prices and everything are skyrocketing business is down um and we're less able to weather you know major losses on specials and food so you know people ask me why I don't do duck specials. I'm like, well, kosher duck is seven bucks a pound. Mm. That means, you know, each bird is 50 bucks. And, you know, you just do the math. If I'm doing, you know, you know, I had to sell each duck entree for like a hundred dollars. People aren't going to spend that right now. So I think having a, being very cognizant of what people are willing to spend, you know, just as an example today, specifically, I have a lot of extra fix from the holiday and, and I needed to find a use for them. And so I you know, one suggestion was, hey, let's do a fig bread pudding because that tastes really good. And I'm like, I would eat that. I think it would be very good. But I don't think it would sell. Mm. Um, and so I'm turning right now, it's working in the kitchen is I'm turning the figs into a fig confit and I'll try to find a different dessert. But one thing is I don't want to waste it. And number two is I will, you know, I want to preserve it so I can save it for a dessert I think would work like a nice fall dessert. I'll wait for the weather to change. And so I think part of it is being creative. Um, and not, you know, minimizing waste. And you hear people talking about that all the time is minimizing waste and being very focused on that. Um, and so I'll find a good use for it, but, you know, being creative, but not wasteful is really tricky. Um, when we're successful and doing really well, it's a lot easier to control. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't, I can't risk doing a bunch of like, you know, veal chops right now if I'm only able to sell one or two a night. And then what do I do with the leftovers? Like, I, there's, you know, there's a limit to that creativity to the point where you just either have old meat or you're making stock or some random stuff because you don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. How do you create a community, not only for your customers coming in, but for your employees as well? Um, so for the employees, you know, we have a very, we, we, we treated them well. I mean, you know what, you know, I, with all the closures and stuff, you think about September and then, you know, that we're closed for most of this month. And even there's other days, you know, there's a couple of weeks earlier in, in the calendar that are, we're also closed. And so one thing I've been very cognizant, cognizant of doing is saving cash and trying to find ways to be able to support our staff, even when we're closed or not working, but they know that they're being supported and never going to be, you know, you know, nickel and dimed, you know, it's, 
I've worked in corporate. I've worked in a lot of places where, you know, it's like if it's time to, you know, time to lean, time to clean and there are people and the employees will nickel and dime their low paid staff, which I have a very, very hard time with. You know, we have employees making, you know, minimum wage or just a hair above it and you're nickel and diming, you know, quarters of an hour, you know, with them. And I think that's a very caustic and work environment. And I think that's showing now in um, the labor workforce right now you hear you know all over the place where restaurants are struggling to find you know employees even and all these other like you know delivery drivers and all these other quote-unquote low-paying jobs who've been basically abused for the most part for decades and now they feel that they've got some power and they're kind of going against that we have weathered that we haven't i haven't had any issues i haven't been trying to hire because i made sure my employees were, were employed the entire time I never nickel and dime their hours. If they get overtime, congratulations, you earned it. Um, and that's the way they get rewarded. And then part of it is we also make sure that we give back to them, you know, financially and otherwise. Well, it sounds like you're creating a really, really great environment to work at at Milts. And so for anyone listening, people who uh, want to come try the restaurant and order the delicious food that you're making, what's the best way people can research you and find you? Uh, obviously, our website would be the first place to go, www.miltsbbq.com. Um, we're pretty active on our Facebook page, uh, not so much on uh, Instagram, but, you know, I, I'm really poor with that. But, yeah, you can see our menu, Google. Uh, our menu is all up there. We got you know, lots of pictures. Um, and, yeah, people talk about us. And we're here. Come on by. You know, we're, we're, all, we're open most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely, for sure. And, Brian, uh, real quick, right before we sign off, I'm just curious, what's your favorite thing to cook at Milt's? My favorite thing to cook? Um, probably, you know, either family meal, <laughs> mm. which is usually some version of chicken and potatoes, or, you know, off the menu. I'm a really big fan of our half chicken. Um, we've, we've been awarded a few times for our smoked chicken. Yeah, it's uh, excellent, and I'm a big fan of it, and I'll eat it over and over again. It's the one item I've never gotten sick of. Ooh, awesome. Well, I'm excited. The next time I'm in Chicago, I'll be sure to stop by Milt's Barbecue for the Perplex. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Chicago Business Radio. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and we'll see you next time. This episode of Chicago Business Radio has been brought to you by FirmSpace your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com.